Okay, guys, it is another episode of Video Vampires. This is Mickey. And Jessica. And we are in Europe now. Not really. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were just in Asia. And now we're in Europe. Yeah, now we're in Europe. Or in France. Um, France. French. Yeah. French. Uh, before we get into that, um, let's talk about some of the stuff that we've seen. Yeah, so I, I've seen a little, a little bit. Um, I went to the movies. I actually saw this movie called The Nightingale by Jennifer Kent, uh, who did The Babadook. Um, it's a, it's very much a different realm of storytelling that she's in. Um, this is it's it's about you know kind of like a revenge tale. Um, this it's like I think uh, early eighteen hundreds. I think, I'm not even sure where they're supposed to be, but um, I think uh, she has, like, a lot of Aboriginal um, um, people in it. There's, like, a tribe so um, that they come across. Australia. I think it does. Um, they don't actually say, but I assume, because one of the main characters is Irish, and then her counterpart is one of, uh, like, an indigenous Aboriginal okay. type of um, person, which is... Which is interesting because there's a language that's spoken, and I want to talk about this really quick. Um, the Aboriginal language is, uh, and I'm, I might butcher this, I'm sorry, it's like uh, Palawakani, um, and I guess it's it's like almost an extinct language, and it's the first time ever in film that it's ever been captured in, in like a big motion picture. So it's very interesting uh, that she used it, and cool. very cool that she used it because it is an actual language that these people spoke, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's like, kind of, like, a revenge tale. Uh, this woman, um, is, like, paying off her debt, um, to these soldiers. Uh, they kind of allude that she was in prison and that she got out, and this, um, one of these soldiers has allowed her to basically live and marry and whatever. So she's on this, like, kind of post, um, working off her debt, um, where, the, you know, these soldiers brutally, brutally rape her in front of her husband and then kill her child and uh, her husband. And so she goes on this uh, revenge, um, you know, adventure, um, and she happens upon um, one of the main characters who, uh, for um, for a price, helps her along the way to uh-huh. kind of, he, he's a tracker, so he's tracking the soldiers, but it ends up kind of being more of, like, his revenge story as well as hers. Um, so it definitely plays into the life that it was like for women and, um, and you know, indigenous and aboriginal um, people back then, which, uh, you know, it's a very harrowing tale. History was not kind. So the movie, uh, the comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 brutal. I yeah. mean, after a while, even me, who uh, I'm very used to that particular type of violence in in film, especially, I was like, kind of just like, Jesus Christ, can yeah. we get past this horribleness? Um, I did really like it. That being said, I don't know if I'm ever gonna watch it again. Um, but I, I, it's definitely worth seeing. It is. Uh, it's shot in a very. Um, Small aspect ratio, too, uh-huh. so it's a very polar view of, okay. of what's happening and the path that they're taking, which is really cool. Um, I really liked it, but that, again, it is very violent 
and specific about what happens huh. to that type of people. Um, it was really good. I did see it at the Arclight. There was like Q and A. Very different her. from Babadook. It sounds. Yes, it is. It's which very I love different. That movie. It's so very much. different than the Babadook, uh, which I which I liked. Yeah. Um, and then I watched. The Boys, uh, which is the new Amazon Prime show. It's based off the comic by Garth Ennis, who is one of my favorites. Um, I was a little bit wary about this just because I hate Preacher. I've talked about how much I hate Preacher. Yeah, the show, not the comic. I think the adaptation is terrible. Um, I think the actors were cool. You know, it's just mostly the writing. I hate it. The Boys are a little bit different. Um, Where I thought they took major pieces of the story and added gratuitous violence to it to make it likable. I feel like The Boys does that, but it's not... They didn't take a major part of the story. Mm -hmm. They actually still have, like, the underlying layer, but, like, all your heroes are pieces of shit, you know? Um, I I really liked it. But the comic is also gratuitously... I mean, intentionally. Oh, yeah. I think if you're you're familiar with his work, it is is always very violent. I remember when The Boys came out, he specifically said... The comic. Yeah. He said he wanted to out-violence and out-sex Preacher. Yeah, Which well, is a pretty, uh, if you've ever read Cross, he does both and yeah. <laughs> um, pass that. But, uh, yeah, it is it is obviously very violent. If you're familiar with any of his work, it is um, made to be offensive. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. Uh, okay. Carl Urban, man, is so hot as a butcher. Is he good? Because I remember we he talked is. about how like he was neither of our... Because we both read the comic book and we both were talking about like him... It's not that I love Carl Urban, but it was just like I agree with you, and it's like that's not. I imagine somebody. Yeah, I imagine someone different, stockier, you know, not as Carl Urban as Carl Urban is, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, which is weird, but he actually pulls it off pretty good, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, except for the fact that he is very attractive, even as this character. But um, for the most part, I I really liked it. Um, so I would I would check it out. Uh, it is very violently pleasing. Um, but it is fun, and it's, sure. I mean, they changed some things around, but I think it's honestly better okay. um, than some of what's in the comic. Um, and then I also saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. which we talked about a little bit earlier, but I really didn't like, and I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. I don't, I, you know, it's weird, because I, I don't think it's, um, I, I liked it. I'm, like, in the middle, where I was, like, I, you know, there's people who loved it, and there's people who hated it, and I'm the one in the middle. It's just, like, I like, there's a lot of, par- there's too many things in it that I liked for me to just go, I hated it, but I also, there was problem. the problems I have with it were, like, huge. Yeah. Huge. You yeah. You know, and, like, I don't know if it's just because I know the story of, you know, obviously there's two, there's one fictional story going on in the movie, and then it's paralleling with the very real story of Sharon Tate. And I, um, I, I really, I think it's feel like it's too soon to give anything away, but he does pull an Inglorious Bastards in this one, but it didn't work for me the way it worked for Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Mostly because I felt like he was telling this really great story, and I think he's admitted to this, where he's building up, building up, building up to this story, and then he decides to go do a completely, a 180, and it's like, yeah, but I felt like the story you were building up to was better than the story you ended up telling. Yeah. Um, that being said, I really like... I mean, I'm always a fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, but he's really good in this. He is really good in it, which sucks because I don't like anything else really about it. Yeah. I All right, you know how, like, some people make fuck you movies like David Lynch, uh, Lars von Trier, that's what, like, sure. Under Crisis, his fuck you movie. Is this Quentin Tarantino's fuck you movie? Because I think it's so bad and he puts 
glaring obvious things about like underage his weird foot fetish like I feel like that was like so apparent that he was like being like eh, you guys think I have a foot fetish just wait until you see this <laughs> well you know it's funny because there's and there's this really great scene in the movie Polanski's where, you know uh, well, actually the funny thing is I'm glad that he gave no real time to Polanski he just showed Polanski dressed up as Austin Powers yeah which, which is, is where Austin Powers got where Mike Myers got the idea for the outfit for Austin yeah. Powers but um, they really give no fucking time to Polanski. He's just like a, a fucking blip in the story, and I'm glad because, you know, fuck that guy. But yeah. also, um, I, I you know, there's a scene, and, and this isn't spoiling anything, but uh, I actually thought there was a really, like, sweet scene, a really poignant scene, where uh, Sharon Tate goes to this movie theater that, and to see a movie that she's starring in with Dean Martin. And she's very nervous. She's very, like, apprehensive. Like, she's, she's, she's very excited because she's just been in this movie, and she wants to, like... She's just apprehensive about sharing that, and then yeah. she gets in the theater, and she sits down, and she's still nervous, and then she's w- listening to the crowd, like, responding to, like, yeah. her on camera, and favorably, and she starts, like, getting more, she starts, like, basking in it, and, like, enjoying it, and then, like, she pops her feet up, and she's watching the movie, and I was like, that was the part where I was like, I, I thought it was a really sweet scene, except for the part where I'm like, how does, as Quentin Tarantino, we all know he's got this foot fetish, like, how do yeah. you tell an actor or an actress, like... Hey, so, you know it would be really great is if you just pop your shoes off and just... Yeah, feel, like, like, and even like, be like, oh, no, it's not for me. Yeah, it's it's, it's not, for the scene. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's what I'm saying. Is that, like, how does he just come right out and be like, I want to see them feet? Or if he's just like, you know... Yeah. Or if he's just like, exactly... Just also, is that like, why the new Beverly was closed for a year? This fucking one scene? Was that... No, no, no. Because it wasn't shot in there. It was... It was uh, I thought it was. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but... You know, as as somebody, you know, as we both live in L.A., like, there's a lot, I, I did yeah, there a lot is. of the, you know, the L.A., you know, the old school L.A., also because, like, when I would drive to work, I would drive through that, like, because, like, you know, Hollywood Boulevard was, like... Well, they were shooting forever, yeah. Yeah, and they, like, he, he I, 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 on one hand, I really liked that he restored a lot of, like, the signs and, like, you know, he did all this stuff, but at the same time, like, it, there's moments, like, let me put it this way, there's two stories in this, one story actually is really enjoyable, I think. The other story, the one that's more seeped in facts, I was more disappointed with because, um, you know, the, the you know the important thing, you know, so you're telling the story about Leonardo DiCaprio as this washed-up actor, which is paralleling a lot of these, you know, actors who would watch themselves go from like film to TV and just slowly kind of become, you know, um, phased out. Yeah. You know, and and there's a really great story there, and Leonardo DiCaprio is not playing a real person, but he's playing. A bunch of different American actors who yeah. you know, had this tough guy persona, and then as time went by, they were getting dumped onto TV, and then they were not only getting dumped on TV, but they were getting passed over for the the new thing. So, like, you know, there's very beginning movie, Al Pacino's like, yeah, now you're getting your, sh- your shit kicked out of you by this guy, and now this guy is the one that the network is trying to push, and then, you yeah. know, I really loved all of that, you know, and the whole, like, you know, them trying to get him to come to Italy to make spaghetti westerns, like, that's really cool yeah. to me. Um, With the second best... Yeah. I, I I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right that it was gearing up to tell a better story than it actually did. Right. Um, but that being said, I didn't like the story sure. that he, was... He landed Yeah, I, like, I really didn't care for the reimagining. Yes. I, yeah. I just didn't. Yeah, and, and my, that was my problem is that, like, you know, both stories that you're telling at the same time seem to be, like, converging at one point where you were, like... Because, you know, when the Manson murders happened... One, they didn't know about it at first. Like, they, I mean, what I'm saying is they didn't know who it was at first. It was like, it was this horrific crime that fucking devastated Hollywood because people were suddenly like, oh shit, now we have to start locking our doors. We have to start, like, 
Yeah. And, 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 and there was a sense of, like, old school Hollywood, like, the glory days were kind of, you know, gone, you know? Like, just, and, and, and so you're telling this great story about this washed-up actor paralleling to this one moment where, you know, everything changes, and then he decides to change whatever, what changes. And, like, I, I just, I didn't, somebody was saying to me, they're like, oh, yeah, but, like, it's like a fairy tale. Like, you know, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, I saw that more as, like, Once Upon a Time in, like, you know, yeah. Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon a Time in America. I never saw, I never saw Leone's Once Upon a Times as fairy tales, you know? I just yeah. Thought, like, so I, I didn't like the, the defense of, like, it's a fairy tale. It's like, well, then it's a shitty fairy tale. Because, you know, the best fairy tales actually have something you walk away from, you go, ah, well, this means, you know, this, there's a story here. This, there's a point to this. Yeah. Uh, I agree it was a little indulgent. I did like seeing it at the Vista because they played three um, old school newsreel interviews of Bruce Lee. Yeah, which is weird that they show that when uh, Quentin Tarantino's blatant characterization of yeah, and, Bruce and, Lee is very, uh, is, a, is a made up. Yeah, it's weird because I, I, I know he loves Bruce Lee, but like it was just like, and it felt like a way to get, like what, what actor could I get into this scene to make this point, you know? And, that's, and I do like that scene actually because like, I, you know, it's a scene where Brad Pitt's kind of having a flashback upon a flashback of why he's been blacklisted from... Yeah, which is also, you. It, uh, it's a weird... I think it's weird that he has his two heroes be white murderers. Well, one of them's a murderer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, and instead they made everyone else look cheap and silly, like yeah. Bruce Lee. Um, who, we all, I mean, maybe we don't all know, but who has notably... Yes. Um, a type of person that was not into uh, glorifying his his actual martial arts in in a way that would cheapen it, like yes. they did in the movies. Yes, uh, yes. See, there was there's countless stories of Bruce Lee being challenged on set, just like what happens in this movie, and he kind of being like, "Dude, back off!" Like, it's, yeah, like I'm, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. do anything. And, and it's great because the three, like, because I guess when I saw the Vista, those three newsreels, I guess when somebody else somebody else saw it at a different time in the Vista, and they played like an old. Commer- uh, old cartoon from that era. So, like, I like the Vista's, like, cramming in all these things, but the, the interview with Bruce Lee was great because it's this guy, and he's, like, the interviewer's kind of condescending to him, kind of, like, the tone. But Bruce Lee's, like, trying to, like, keep his cool. Keep yeah. His, like, whatever. And then at one point, they're like, well, let's demonstrate some moves. So they get a crewman to go in there, and the crewman's standing there, and Bruce Lee knows what he's doing, and he's, like, throwing these with punches, but he's, like, he's clearly doing, he's got, he's in total control of where they're, you know, where his hands are going. But the, the, the crew guy's, like, flinching and backing up and, like, terrified. And Bruce Lee's, like, laughing and putting his hands on his like, it's okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to hit you, you know? But then yeah. he's doing all this crazy shit. And the guy's just, like, terrified. And it's like, yeah, because Bruce Lee's moving so fucking fast and so, you know, erratic. But it's all controlled. And it's so cool. Yeah. Like, also, can we not put Leah Dunham in any movies, like, ever? That was her. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, yeah, annoying. I, yes. I pinpointed the annoying white yeah. <laughs> princess right away. I was like, ah, oh, now I can hear her. Yeah. Why would she be in here just to add more annoyance to the scene? Yes. Did she even know that she was being cast as this? Like, uh, I, yeah, I, I honestly just didn't like it. Didn't yeah. care for it. I think it's his, one of his worst films. I agree. Um, but yeah, everyone seems to fucking love it for some reason. Well, it, you know, it's just sad because like we had seen um, a week before we saw One Fun Time in Hollywood, Kate and I went to go see uh, Boogie Nights. Yeah, which is like one of my favorite movies in the '90s, Um, and uh, the funny thing is, the last time we were at the Ace was to see Jackie Brown, which was my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. And like, I know a lot of people who hate that movie, 
Really? And it, it really it makes me sad because I'm like, this, I think it's his best movie. Um, you know, hands down. Um, it's the most, like, for me, it's the most fully realized. It's the most emotional. It's the most, mm-hmm. like, and, and it's the most where he gets away with, he, he, get, he does, is able to do a lot with very little, you know? Like, yeah. A lot of quiet moments that, like, that are very loud, you know? Um, whereas this one just feels like it's super self-indulgent. Whatever. I mean, I, I could go on and on, but, like, Yeah, it does, gonna... it does feel super self-indulgent, which is, like, is this supposed to be his last film? Second one. Either oh, his I last he... or second to last. Yeah, because I was like, I hope not, because this is trash, but that's fine. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> like, um, whatever. But, uh, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was what I, all I saw. I watched that, Boogie Nights, and, um... Yeah, I, um, I rewatched. um... Oh, I rewatched some stuff. You did? <laughs> well, what did you rewatch? House Party. Oh, you did? Yeah. You rewatched House Party? I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, I, uh, I, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. I stayed up on Friday night. It was like 2.30 in the morning. I was like, I'm going to watch House Party. And I was up until 4 o'clock in the morning. I love, I truly love that movie. I think Kid it's and Play, it's yeah. Classic. Kid and Play. It's, um. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Fresh Prince and Gigi Jazzy. Was it really? And I'm really glad they did because, you know, there's something very, even, like, Will Smith is so much larger than life. You know, even if you don't like him, he's larger than life. I don't feel like he could have played Kid's character the way Kid played Kid's character, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thoroughly enjoy that movie. And it, the running joke last night we had people over was, like, how much I was talking about it. And I was like, and it always came back to, like, oh, Mickey's going to talk about Kid and Play again. Or <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm not a Kid and Play fan. I'm just a huge fan of that fucking movie. They but had also, these comics for a while. I remember when I was young. Do you remember them? Oh, yeah. They had comics. They had a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Oh, it was cool. I'm very well. <laughs> I've become quite an expert on Kid and Play just through my love for the first House Party movie. Um, um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched um, Trouble Every Day, which Ooh. Claire Denis. That's French. Um, yes, that's French. Yeah. Uh, which kind of ties into, you know, our subject and where we are in the world right now. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, uh, there's something about, and I I'm, can't remember her name, but the, the woman, she has the... Beatrice Dahl. Yes. Dolly, yeah. Um, there's something about her that, like, I feel the same way about Gina Gershon, just, like, looking at her face, they're just, like... It's something very sexual about their presence. It is. It's the mouth. It's the teeth. I don't know. But, like, yeah, she's just gorgeous. Did you ever see Betty Blue? No. You should. Yeah? She's the lead. She is? Yeah, she plays this woman who falls, you know, there's this guy. Did you ever see Killing Zoe? No. It's actually really good. It's this, like, it was this, like, post-Pulp Fiction uh, film with Eric Stoltz and and Roger Avery, the guy who co-wrote Pulp Fiction, directed. But the lead actor in that plays a writer and he's just, like, he's trying to work on something, and he meets this woman who's, like, totally crazy, but he's, like, totally into her because she's, like, you know, yeah. sexy, and that's her. And she's very crazy, and she becomes obsessed with him, and it's, like, this weird drama, romance, like, not, I wouldn't say thriller or horror movie, though it does take those turns because she's very obsessive, but she's in that. That was, like, the, her big yeah. breakthrough movie, but, yes, she is very... It is, yeah, so there's just something about her presence um and then Vincent Gallo is in it um which I don't really know how to feel about him the only thing I've ever really liked of his is Buffalo 66 um but he's he's just a strange bird maybe that's why um but I I mean I really like this film especially like about engulfing and hideous sexual primal animalistic type of desire um I I do like it I like 
a lot of her films. I haven't seen all of them, but every film that I have seen hers, which the last one that I think I talked about was High Life, which yeah. is incredible. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of ties into um, the movie that we watched. But before we get into the movie we watched, because you want to talk about something, we kind of wanted to jump well, fast forward in time, because I feel like that's in... Yeah, so it's hard to like it because especially when I think you think of French horror, especially now in our time, you think yeah. of the new French extremity, which is late '90s, early 2000s. Um, really, it, it has to do with like sex and violence and psychosis and very much like bodily horror. Yeah. Um, they were just like these incredible films. Now I. I say incredible, but they are very gory and very graphic. Um, you're looking at, like, Trouble Every Day. You're looking at Martyrs, which is one of my favorite films. Um, yeah, it carried over through the mid-'90s, too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was, like, mid to late-'90s, early-2000s, even still now, because we talked about Revenge, yeah. um, which is another one that came out a few years ago, the, right. the rape um, revenge movie. You're looking at High Tension. Um, the <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, uh, Irreversible. Oh, that's Sheetan. Did you ever see it? No, we t- um, I remember we were working together when it came out, and I never went and saw it. Yeah, it was at um, yeah. Cine Family. So all these these really great movies um, that have been pumped out in, in French cinema, um, <laughs> they're very graphic. Yes. Um, obviously, weirdly sexual in nature. Yeah. Uh, they're, it's, like, some of my favorite genre films. Like, And I'll probably say that about every country that we visit. Like, this is my favorite, especially... Right. We were just in Korea, and sure. then, you know, now it's French, but um, French cinema, and, and especially in horror, I think, actually, the first horror film ever made was in Paris. It's called uh, The House of the Devil, or The Haunted George Castle, or, Malay, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. the first, at least, recorded horror film yeah. ever made, so the French cinema is, like, very deeply, has a very deep history. And, oh, absolutely. Um, in cinema, and so I think this era of of horror is my favorite. Um, Martyrs is an incredible movie. Um, so is High Tension. <laughs> I mean, uh, in the words of Incredible, I I mean I've always loved them. I have like a weird soft spot in my heart for them. It's funny you mention that because like uh, High Tension, the director of that has got a new movie that that's out now, and it's actually doing really well. What is it? Crawl. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay, it's weird, I didn't see it, but I heard yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. Al, uh, whatever his name is. Alejandre Aha, something like that. Alejandre Aha, yeah. He did uh, the remake of Hills Have Eyes, which was surprisingly really good. Um, actually, yeah, it was really good. Um, not not the original good, but it was still really good. And um, he's, he's the one that, like, added, he's broken out of the French, not... I think his his movies are still pretty intense, but yeah. like, he's still he's had that he's had more of a crossover appeal where it's like he's now a little bit more, you know he's got this major film out that's like doing really well, you know like yeah, um, Gaspar Noé like is not gonna have that he's never I don't think he's ever gonna make a movie I don't think he wants to have I don't that. think he wants to either yeah but I just think saying that like he's he you know um, he's pretty firmly entrenched in what he wants to do but I'm just saying that like it's interesting to me the guy who did High Tension is now yeah producing right. um these these type of films uh it is i think when you think of uh french horror you automatically think of this time period um it is some of my favorite films i think um the film that we watched too especially kind of paves the way for this type of film obviously like even back then what was it 1960 1960 um there's still even now, there's still a lot of restrictions. I think even back when this was was aired, people were like, 
puking or fainting, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at even the the subject matter of of what's happening, and so I like this film, um, especially because of the obsession too with with the with the body and the and the looks. Um, Le sou et un visage, and that that's, yes, I mispronounced that, and it's okay because I a I failed French, <laughs> and b most of the reason why I know I, I that that mangled. Uh, pronunciation came from what you can hear in the song Eyes Without a Face by Billy Idol. Yeah. Which is my one of my favorite Billy Idol songs. Uh, and that's what we watched. You watched Eyes Without a Face. Yeah, which is, it, it's great too because um, it's funny when you read the the trivia, um, I guess John Carpenter once suggested that Mike Myers' mask was was kind yeah. of influenced and taken from yeah. this, which kind of gives you a whole new look at Mike Myers as Michael Myers or Mike Myers? Which one? Michael Myers, yeah. Because um, when you say Austin Mike Powers, Myers, I, think I know. Austin. <laughs> uh, you think of Austin Powers, like, yeah. hey. Yeah, yep. Uh, um, yeah, I, it, it kind of gives you a new vision about maybe what Carpenter, especially, was thinking of and this person that wearing who's wearing a mask. Um, another interesting tidbit that I'd like to share is uh, Givenchy actually created the gowns that Christian wears in this, um, which I I do like because there's a few um, designers who incorporate their vision into film. I think Gautier was one of my yeah. favorites for the cook that the... Yeah. His oh. wife... The cook, her li- the thief, the, his wife, and her... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I really... I really liked this film. I mean, stylized. Oh, do you want to give a synopsis? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's kind of go because I mean, it's it's really um, it's hard when you describe it. It almost sounds hokey, but mm-hmm. it's uh, this this uh, this brilliant surgeon. Uh, he is responsible for uh, this car accident that disfigured his daughter, and so and now so sure she's facially disfigured. Um, you know, she's taking. She has to wear a mask now. Uh, very famous image. If you even if you've never seen the movie, you've seen you've seen a still from this. But um, you know what? Him and his he has this woman um, who like he had, he had also previously helped her you know via surgery. So now she she's like in you know she's faithful to him like yeah un, you know undyingly faithful. They basically kidnap young women in Paris, <laughs> and um, he tries to remove their faces and grafted onto his daughter's face. This was at a time when this type of surgery was not yeah. uh, commonplace, and it was still they were still working it out. I think even to this day... even Yeah, even now, there's still very... A lot of complications. Right. It's not like face-off. Yes, which is also another movie yeah. that like, people wonder if John Woo derived some of... Uh, he had seen this movie because yeah. there's the face... The, the, obviously, the obvious facial swap, and also the doves, you know, which play a part in this movie too but yeah uh, it's basically this moment you know it's, it's the surgeon he's 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 um and he's not what i like about this movie and it's important to mention for as far as the synopsis that he's not a good guy he's a kind of a garbage person but he's also um a genius a genius but also the reasons he's doing this is out of love for his daughter out of guilt you know there's there, he's not this mad scientist who's just like I want to perfect this surgery so I can, you know, I'll be like God. It's like they're coming. To, his motivations are coming from wanting to fix something that he, he broke. Yeah, and he's but, but by doing so, he's making things. Yeah, it's also a, I think a place of control. Like I broke it, I have to fix it. Yes, they, and they type of that. Um, movie. 
I I really loved it. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's certain things about this movie that are very stylized and beautiful and very much attention to detail. Just um, small things like the reflection in his car. Mm-hmm. You know, in that scene in the hospital, he walks up and it's it's beautiful. It's dark, and then you see this reflection of this like. Um, empty, you know, it's like, must be winter. It's like this tree just facing back at him and he's talking to this man about, like, grief, basically. Yeah. And he's he's angry because he's like, oh, it's not my job to console you. My daughter is the one dead even though it's actually... It's probably his, the way his, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it's just that scene alone, like, a picture of it is just yeah. beautiful. Um, even in the first scene, yeah, there's lots of coats in you this movie. You can freeze movie. frame any shot any time any yeah. in this movie and it's a beautiful shot. Yeah. It is and I especially like um, all of the reflective services have a, a picture to show you. Uh-huh. Um, also <clears throat> excuse me my throat's a little dry. So yeah even the, the details in um, his daughter's room Christiane mm-hmm. when she's got the mask on and then she's l- looking at a painting and the painting of um, a young girl with holding a doll that looks exactly like her. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting how much he layers into his film. Yeah. Um, I actually took that, that that girl in that portrait as her. Yeah. 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 And and also uh, his, his willingness to create multiples of her, essentially, if that makes sense. Yeah. But also discard these other women-like dolls. Yeah. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, you know, it was just like, you know, I'm going back to, you know, what I was saying, too, is that, like, you know, there's a few moments in this, what I like about this movie is that it's not, it's not, you know, it is black and white, but it's not black yeah. or white, like, there's also this really great moment where the doctor is sitting with this boy, and, and he's trying to help, he's, he's, like, holding his fingers up, like, you know, he's, it, the interaction he has with this child, this patient, is mm-hmm. very sweet, and it's like, again, like, this guy, I, I'm always a big fan of, like, you know, when you don't, when you make a monster, have um, likable or relatable qualities because it, it's it makes what they do. It, it, he admits it. There's this great scene where he's talking to his assistant, who's played by Alita Volley, who I had actually just rewatched uh, the movie The Third Man. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get Kate to watch it, but she's been working so hard and she's been super tired. And I'm like, let's watch this movie. You know, you've never seen this movie before. Third Man, uh, Carol Reed directed it, Joseph Cotton's in it, Orson Welles. This movie's amazing, and. I, I think the opening credits were done, and I look over, and Kate's just got her head back against the couch, <laughs> and she's out. Um, but um, Alita Volley was in that, too. And Alita mm-hmm. Volley, would, later on, uh, we would recognize her in yeah. Suspiria as Mrs. Tanner, or Miss Tanner. Um, she looks almost, she, you can, you know, she's kind of wearing the same hair. Yeah. But in, in, in Suspiria, it's like white or blonde, you know, and she's got this very, like, she looks much more stockier and much more like, you know. Yeah, it's like her weird, uh, her costume gives her this like physique, you know, yes, like, that, like that, the shoulders. The, yes, yeah. yes, and in this one she's, she's not quite there yet, but, you know, he's talking to, he's talking to Alita Valley and he's saying that like, you know, she's trying to say, like, hey, you're a great guy. Like, look what you did for me. Like, you fixed my face. You're a great guy. And he's like, I have done so much horrible shit to get, the, to, to, to do this, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, it, it's, it's really... You know, it's really interesting to me when you have a character who has got who's capable of, of good things, and they, they go, "I am doing this thing that's terrible," and you know, I, I I have a reason for doing it, but I'm still doing it, and it's I you know, the, yeah. the self awareness is what I really like about this story is the, and everybody's self awareness. Like Christiane's, like she you know she's you know when we one of the first times we see her, she's watching her father and and uh, you know his assistant like carrying this. Yeah, unconscious girl, and she's and she's kind of passive about it, um, and like you know, she goes over to the girl and she like you know touches her face and like you know and, and the girl screams and like you know whatever, and um, 
you know, but she's still very passive. Like, she's still letting this shit happen. Because mm-hmm. she's like, you know, and then when that experiment doesn't go well, even Christiane has her breaking point where she's like, this is fucked. You know, like, I, you're, I, you're a terrible human being. Uh, you're, like, saying this to her father. You're like, you're fucked. You're, you know, you're crazy. Um, you're an awful human being. Um, but even she has a point where she's no longer letting this continue. And I really like that. The only character that's kind of like, I'm in it to win it 100% is his assistant. <laughs> and, um, and and what, there's a great moment where she gets, uh, where, where Christiane finally snaps and stabs her in the neck. Yeah. And, like, it's just this really sad moment of, like, why'd you just do, why'd you do that? And, like, there's a tear rolling down her <laughs> eye. It's like, she feels legitimately betrayed because, like, she's she's dedicated her life to, like, helping this man help his daughter. And she's also, you know, she cares for yeah. the daughter. It's so like the, blind, it's like, well, in one part, obsession, but also, like, blind faith and blind yes, loyalty. Exactly. Uh, which I, I do like the dynamic of her character because there's that scene in here where the yeah. the um, daughter Christiane is like I don't want to live anymore. This is a terrible existence. Yeah. He's experimenting on me. He's not helping me. Yeah. Um. And then she's just like, Oh no, haha, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, she, well, she's like, she's like, no, you're. I mean, like, and, and yeah. that's what I like too is that like, you know, um, I, I never doubt for one moment that her father does care about her. Yeah. And that's why he's doing this. But he is, he's a monster. Like kind of weirdly parallels the movie that we watched, um, Woman Chasing the Butterfly of Death, of this, like, one person so obsessed with trying to help their yes. per, their the other person. One. Yeah, and um, and then that person just wanting nothing to do with existence or, or living because it's painful. Yeah. Um, so that's, it, it's an interesting parallel, too, in, in how uh, these films kind of play off each other. But yes. Yeah, I, I really loved it. And and, and you know what? I, uh, you know one of the reasons why I mentioned the French uh, extremity. Oh well, yeah, I mentioned the, it, yeah. Is there's a there's a pretty graphic scene in this movie that, you know, I think it's graphic now, but imagine. But I've also seen stuff, you know, uh, recently that like you know whatever like if yeah. You know, but I'm thinking like wow, if I think this is fucked up now, imagine what it would have been like to see it in 1960 in a theater and being seeing someone's face yeah. get peeled off. And I said this to you when we were watching, is that we literally watched the same fucking scene happen in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where he's using that little meat cutter to, like, you know, cut off um, LG's face and then, like, yeah. he puts it on, you know, Caroline Williams' face and everything. But this one bothered me more because it's done so clinically. Yeah. It's, like, done like a, it's a surgery. And intricately and yeah. deliberately. And, like, but, like, the, you know, it's it's done as if we're fucking watching a actual surgery. And yeah. And it's hard. It's it's pretty horrifying. And, well, um, it led the way for these other films, especially right. now, because I think even back then it, it caught a lot of flack. It, it was censored. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of A lot of people didn't like it. And even the director was like, listen, this is a movie about anguish (laughs) like you know this is this is uh, it's not a nice feeling film right it's It's a little bit funny i mean okay the the score there's moments of the score that are not funny there's moments of the score that definitely yeah yeah some of it's kind of silly and lighthearted. like they go through it sounds like uh curb your enthusiasm it does it does tell people that they're not gonna not hear it they're gonna i know it's it's all i could hear which is kind of funny um but there's a part where she's looking for a new victim and she's checking out ladies and they're playing this song and i'm like i can't not hear it and there's something very to me there's something very terrifying about those scenes too where she's like she's scoping out a victim that to me is really uh there's just something so yeah. weird like especially hey, about got, a woman yeah preying on another yeah. woman yeah it's something really uh unsettling but what you know one of the other things not just about the french extremity but like you know this is around the time period like from the 60s to the 70s you know till the late 60s you know so 1960, maybe even before 1960, like the late 50s, 
into like the late sixties, we're getting the French New Wave, where we get um, yeah. you know Breathless, which uh, it was this great movie where a lot of people you know every film student has fucking seen it, myself included, are like, oh my god, this is the most amazing thing I've ever. But it's very much like here's the camera, we're gonna put it on, and what happens happens, and it's not looking away from anything. And, and granted, Breathless is there's nothing horrific in it. It's just like you know. But the point I'm trying to say is that, like, a lot of what I like about French cinema is that is this whole idea of just, like, let's, like, lock the camera in place and, like, let's mm-hmm. just let whatever is going to happen happen and we're not turning away from that. We're not shying away from that. And I feel like that that attitude, the almost the cinema verite attitude, plays into 70s horror with, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Where people were, like, people were terrified because it was like, is this a fucking documentary? Like, the way it's <laughs> shot, you know? And, like... I feel like a lot of this comes back to French cinema, where mm-hmm. you know they were they took a very different attitude. Um, it was it's not like Hitchcock, you know. Hitchcock is playing games with his audience, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, French films didn't really feel like they were doing that. They were just like, no, we're gonna. This is what it this is. This is what yeah. it is. We're just going right into it. And if it's if it's a drama, then that's why people complain to this day about like, oh my god, a boring movie of just two French people talking. I fucking love that shit. But I can see what people are saying. There's no. Um, there's no playing around with it. Yeah. You know, and, and, but I also think when it comes to horror, which, you know, we, I think it's one of the benefits, that, I think it's one of the things that French filmmakers then and now have over a lot of us, a lot of, you know, American filmmakers where it's like, nope, we are, uh, we're, we're not, we're not going to turn away. Yeah. But, uh, irreversible. Yeah, which uh, we yeah. talked about a few episodes back. For sure. Um, it's, uh, that scene, which we all know yeah. what scene we're talking about, is so realistic, and it is, I, I appreciate that more than others for some reason, just yeah. because it's like, no, this is what this is. This is a 15-minute, long, brutal yep. thing that's happening, and we're gonna, Put you know. You in it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, because, like, you know, uh, a lot of French films, um, Visually, like as far as like the the crafting of the cinema, the, the shots and everything are are stylized. Yeah. But the but when it comes to what's ha- like the action that's happening in the movies, that's what's not stylized. Like this again, this is not a very stylized surgery scene. It is just literally drawing a pencil on a girl's face and then cutting around it with a scalpel, and you're like, yep. I appreciate the the detail too to the like the surgical like this is a, a story, it's a tale. But you know they actually like him cutting her face off (laughs) and him like with the scalpel deep in there and he like there must have been like a a rubber mask on top of the face but like you could see the knife going under the skin and trying to like lift it and like it's it is sick and then also having the the failures happen which obviously we would know is an inevitable but it would talk about the necrosis of the face even if and I like how they present that too. They they present those as case studies, like the yeah. shots of Christiane with like you know the different stages of her face. Like they're not yeah. done in like it's done as if like there's still photographs that were like you know documenting, you know. So there's still that element of like documenting real life. You mm-hmm. know, um, I really like that. I um, I never saw Pedro Almodovar did a movie called The yes, Skin I Yes, I was with. gonna actually yeah. mention that. I was like, there's um there's a few other especially things that come to mind, yeah. uh, obviously that have been influenced by this film. But yeah, with a uh, Antonio uh, Banderas. Yes. I remember when the, that movie came out. I was like, holy shit, that's Eyes Without a Face, and I didn't see it because I thought it was just him remaking Eyes Without a Face, but not like kind of like how Eli Roth remade when he did the movie Knock Knock. He re- yeah. remaking a '70s film, and he never acknowledged. He was just like. 
he didn't acknowledge he was remaking it. I mean, he was. He did, oh yeah, that's right. He with did, Keanu, I mean, right? Yeah, well, yeah, and like he he knew he was remaking it. He brought in the producers and the yeah, but why the, wouldn't uh, you just? But he didn't just. He never said it in any yeah. press. I never heard him saying like I'm remaking this film. That's why I thought Pedro Almodovar. This is before Knock Knock, but I thought he was doing the same thing with Eyes Without a Face, where he's like just making a movie. And it's like, hey, if you're in on it and you know that it's Eyes Without a Face, perfect. If not, whatever. Um, I've read since read the like some of the synopsis, like oh, it's a different movie altogether. Yeah, like it goes maybe even further than Eyes Without a Face, but um, so I haven't seen it yet. But that's definitely one of the, the first things I thought of is like even the cover was like a, of him standing next to a woman wearing a mask that just shows her eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um also. Vanilla Sky, I think, pulls from it. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't think yeah. of that. Yeah, with the, the, with the mask, mask that he's and... wearing. And it seems so silly to, to reference it, but you have to see the way this but mask... But it... Yeah. It, yeah. It, it looks a specific way. So when you when you have a, another movie where someone's doing that, it's hard to not draw comparisons. You know what? I, I hate to mention it, but I, I'm going to, is, you know, the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns is, like, um, in the woods... I, I can't remember what it is. It's like it's like goo or like alien something or he's sick, but he's like kind of like this creature floating in the woods and he has a gown on and there's birds. Okay, I'm gonna send it to you so you can All see right, it. Yeah. But it reminds me of the last scene in this movie, which is which is really great. But it's her in this like very beautiful long Cavanchi uh, mm. gown walking through the woods and you see the doves and she's kind of floating with this like blank stare and you just see her eyes because yeah. she's she's wearing this mask. It it reminds me so much of that scene in The Simpsons that now I'm like, did did they just steal it? Because right. they do. They have not not steal, steal it, but homage, yeah. oh yeah, all the time. Especially older movies, especially horror films. So now I'm like, shit, is that scene always from this? And I had no idea. And, th- and that's the thing about this movie is that like, um, you know, it's not it, it's not in the same category to some people as like uh, I'm trying to think of like you know more more well known films. Now this is not like an obscure film. It just, no, it, yeah. It, it's right in the middle where, like, you know, obviously, um, you know, I guess I'm saying that, again, if you've never seen this movie, you've seen something from it. Yes. You've seen it still. Or you've seen something referencing it. I mean, for fuck's sakes, I was joking about it earlier, but Billy Idol, literally, yes. he, he, yeah. he, seen, he saw this movie, he was like, I like that fucking title, I like the story of obsession, I'm going to tell this, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write a song about that, and he does. It's very different than, than um, the movie, obviously. But that's how I was first exposed to it, because I heard the song, and yeah. I, you know, I grew up with the song, and then I, I was like, oh, there's a fucking movie? Cool. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, uh-huh. um, So, it, this movie is, has a huge influence, yeah. even if people and, don't realize it. And even in Face Off. I mean, yes. even John Woo, uh, when I saw the q and talked about how he lived in the theater as a kid. He oh, saw, there you go. So, but he did, yeah he, yeah, he outright said that, and, you know, so his influence obviously carries into even action films that are being made now, so it has a very deep history. Um, it's so cool. I would I would definitely recommend it's seeing it. I mean, obviously, find, yeah. yeah, it's a Criterion. Uh, Criterion release, it's also on their channel. Um, it's, it's one of those movies that, like, You'll always find it streaming. It's tucked away. You just yeah. gotta look. You have to actually look for it, but you will find it. It is so good, um, and, and I'm glad we did it. I'm, I'm, there's other French films that are a little bit more um, bombastic and a little bit more louder and a little bit more um, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and and this one I feel like is that is a great like hey this is where it all starts. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I think it was a great, um, especially intro to French cinema in general. Yeah. Um, Please check it out and then join us as we move on to the next country. Europe, yeah, yeah, next country in Europe, and uh, 
We don't know where we're going yet, but uh, it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Video underscore vampires. Tell your friends. Spotify. Tell, Spotify. Tell SoundCloud. You. Yo, we I got that like SoundCloud link. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but tell your friends and um, throw some suggestions because we would like to hear them. Oh, yeah, we love that shit. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.